Good morning. How's, how's everybody? Good, good, good. Well, uh, my family and I just recently came back from a, a little vacation. Uh, we went over to the West Coast, uh, California and Seattle, mostly to visit friends and family. And uh, uh, one of the, the, or two of the friends I saw were my old high school buddies who are now living in the Bay Area. Uh, and now they have kids. So it was really fun to, to watch my son play with their kids. Uh, we took a group photo at one point. All the kids lined up in the couch, which was a feat to do. Um, but it was just neat to see the next generation. And it's, it's also a hoot for me because uh, of my memories of my friends back in the day. And one of my friends in particular, I'm going to call him Mike, change his identity in case he uh, sees the sermon or listens to it and is embarrassed, but Mike um, has two daughters now whom he loves. But I remember having a conversation with Mike back in the day when we were in high school about whether we would have kids, whether he wanted to have kids uh, in the future. And I'll never forget Mike turning to me and saying, Ugh, kids, they're so immature. I'm like, yeah, Mike, of course, they're immature, duh. <laughs> That's what kids are. So now to see him with two daughters loving on them and, and loving my son is, is really a neat treat. But, you know, now having a, a son of my own and seeing kids of, of my friends grow up, uh, it's really got me to, th to think about um, childhood, uh, in a way reliving my childhood through my, my son and the kids of others, my friends, and, and also seeing them grow up. You know, so the, the idea of, of maturing into, into adulthood and, and what goes into that. So the topic of maturity and childhood have been really on my mind uh, lately. And uh, that's, that's led to the sermon series, the short sermon series we're starting today. It'll be a three-week sermon series on Christian maturity. Uh, and I think that this, this uh, topic is, is a nice follow-up to the sermon series we had not too long ago on Proverbs and wisdom, uh, because part of the maturity process is getting wisdom, getting, getting more wisdom, understanding uh, the wisdom of adults uh, as we come into a, a better understanding of the world and, and maturing ourselves. Uh, and so today we will look at generally speaking, what is Christian maturity? And then next week, we'll dive deeper into the process of becoming a mature Christian. And the third week, uh, we'll look at a case study in the Bible of, uh, of Christian maturity, of a person becoming mature. So this week, let's look at why is, what is Christian maturity? And, and the starting point, I think, there is why, why is maturity important? Why is it important to mature as, as a Christian? I mean, isn't it enough to believe in Jesus and leave it at that? No? Is, is it really that hard? Should, it, should we make it so complicated that we have to grow or do other things besides believing in Jesus? And I think the answer is no, not exactly. It's not, it's not just a matter of, be, of, you know, believing in Jesus and, and, um, and forming that relationship. Because, you know, believing in Jesus, becoming a Christian is very simple. It's, it's actually really, really simple. You, you can't earn it. We know that salvation is by faith and by grace alone, right? It's by 
God's work and not our work. You can't earn your way into salvation, into, into the kingdom of heaven. You can't get saved by your works. So it's very simple. It's just acknowledging to God, I want a relationship with you. Boom, you're in. Okay. But we can't leave it there because you have to grow up. It's kind of like saying, well, all you need to do is get born. Oh, yeah, but there's a lot more that comes after being born. You grow up. You get stronger. You get wiser. You know, you learn more things. You learn about the world. It's just a natural process of of, that follows after that initial point of getting born. And, and very similarly, uh, becoming a Christian is the starting point, establishing that relationship. But if with any relationship that's close, we want that relationship to grow, okay? We want to be more than just God's acquaintances. We want Him to be our friend, our Savior, our Father. And so Christian maturity is about developing that relationship, deepening it, you know, the stuff that happens after the birth. Christian maturity is also important uh, because Scripture encourages us to become more mature. And there's, uh, there's many verses on, on this, but one of them I'll, I'll share with you is in 1 Corinthians 14.20. It's up there. It's also in your bulletin. And it says, Brothers, uh, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. So there you have it. Uh, we have scriptural instruction that we should mature in our relationship uh, with God. Okay, so far, tracking me? All right, okay. So we've got these Christian instructions or biblical instructions on maturity, but there's a little twist. At the same time that the Bible is telling us to mature in the faith, we also know that there are a quite a few scriptures uh, that praise the qualities of being a child. Uh, in fact, in the Synoptic Gospels, that is the, uh, the, the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, there are two accounts about children coming to Jesus. Uh, and I want to take a look at, at uh, two of the, uh, those two accounts, and we'll be looking at um, the book of Matthew's version for this. Uh, if you'll read along with me there, uh, not allowed, just, just follow me along. But it says, the first account is, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, uh, he, Jesus, put the child in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The second verse or passage uh, comes from Matthew 19, and it says, then children were brought to him that he may lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belong, belongs the kingdom of heaven. These, uh, these verses are probably very familiar to you, if, especially if you've gone to Sunday school. They've inspired many an image of Jesus very lovingly, holding kids, usually with little fluffy lambs. Um, you know, it's very common imagery that Jesus loves the little children. And we, of course, we've got a song about that as well. So the Bible is very big on children. And so, I don't know about you, but on the one hand, I've got maturity verses, and on the other hand, I've got children verses. How do I reconcile the two? Is there a conflict? 
is the Bible contradicting itself on this point? No, I don't think it is. I don't think it's a contradiction. And I think the key to reconciling uh, that, that apparent conflict in the Bible is to understand the distinction between being childlike and childish. Okay? We want to be childlike, but we don't want to be childish. They're not the same. Childlikeness, being childlike, flows from our relationship with God. Uh, it's, it's a matter of status, and specifically our status as sons and daughters of God. It's a positional thing. It's a matter of our position relative to God. In relation to God, we are children of God. Okay. Childishness, on the other hand, is a stage of development. Um, we know just as a fact that children are not as uh, developed as adults in terms of their bodies. You know, they're not as physically advanced and, and developed. Uh, we know that a, a child's ability to process and analyze information isn't as developed as well. And a childish person uh, also lacks development in character, in, in terms of character, in things like patience and uh, perseverance and their selflessness. Uh, and and that's, that's why we call immature people childish, right? So childishness is a matter of your, where you are in your developmental stage, while childlikeness is a matter of position. So let's look at that a little bit more closely. Um, if we go back to the first passage of Scripture in Matthew 18, um, this is where the disciples, you know, were, um, well, this is where Jesus was, was saying you need, you need to be like a little child to enter the kingdom of heaven. And, and why did Jesus say that to his disciples? Why, why did he tell them you need to change to become like a little child to enter the kingdom? Well, look at what happened right before that. What were the disciples doing? You know, they, they were bickering about who would be the greatest among them in the kingdom of heaven. They were basically jockeying for position. Uh, they're arguing about which one of them should be the, you know, the big cheese in, in the kingdom of heaven, which one would be the leader. And, and they came to Jesus basically to resolve that question. To, they asked Jesus to settle the question. And Jesus' response is, you've got it all wrong. Okay? Because being in the kingdom of heaven is like, a, like being a little kid. It's like being a little child. And what Jesus is referring to there is the position of a child. You know, because a child doesn't really care about status. Uh, rank and titles mean very little of anything to kids. A, a child does not have to earn his rank or his position as a child, as, as a son. You know, he doesn't need to perform or prove anything to his father. He's just a kid. He's just a, he's just a son of, the, of his mommy and daddy. Um, he's loved by the father and the mother and his mother just simply because he's a son. Okay? Nothing, nothing has to do uh, about it to, to get that love. So it's, it's simply a matter of position that gets him the love that he needs. And that's exactly the opposite of the mindset of the disciples. I'll bet you that in arguing which one of them was the greatest, they pulled out stuff like, you know, I'm the one with the greatest gifts. You know, I, I'm the one who has been the most loyal to Jesus. I'm the one maybe that's done the most miracles. Maybe I cast out 32 demons and you only cast out 
three. You know, these kinds of arguments to justify their worth, their value in the eyes of Jesus and, and to prove that they are the greatest in, king, in the kingdom. But Jesus says, no, you can't earn your way into the kingdom of heaven. You need to be like a child, childlike, in that you just need to rest in the fact that you're a son or a daughter uh, of the Father. And as long as you, you recognize that, you're in. Okay? So childlikeness is a matter of understanding and embracing the fact of our position in God. And because childlikeness is a matter of position and, and relational status, it doesn't change because our position relative to God doesn't change. Okay? It never changes. We'll always be sons and daughters of God. And if you think about it, that's also true of our earthly parents, our relationship with our earthly parents. Parents never stop being parents, and we never stop being sons or daughters of, of, uh, of our parents, even when we're adults. You know, when I go home and see my mom, she will always try to feed me. Doesn't matter how old I am, because that's what moms do, especially Chinese moms. That's what they do. They feed you. Um, and, you know, we, well, we see that kind of commitment and unchanging um, relationship in the Bible as well. We see it, for example, in uh, the parable of the prodigal son, right? Uh, you know the story. It's, it's a story about a son who takes uh, the inheritance from the father, runs away, and uh, leads a life of excess, and then finally he figures out, hmm, things are not as good as I thought they would be running away. Uh, things were actually better for me back home. So he decides to go back home, but he's afraid that his father will disown him and not call him a son anymore. So he's, he figures, here's my idea. I will go back and ask my father if I can be a servant, because even the servants in his household had it better off than I am now, and, and so I can be a servant and live in his household as a servant. So he goes back, and what actually happens is the father sees him coming from afar, runs up to him, draws him back into the house, is overjoyed that his son has returned, you know, throws a robe on him and a ring on his finger and throws him a big party, says, my son is back. And what does that parable tell us? God does not disown his sons or daughters. Your position is fixed. It can never change. You'll always be a son or daughter, um, and, and that can never, never change. But what can change? You know, the, the, fact of our, the fact of our position in Christ doesn't change, but what can change over time and what should change is how much we embrace that status, how much we realize that we are sons and daughters and how much we live out that fact. That does change over time. And so Christian maturity, I believe, is about embracing that status, more and more coming into that fact of sonship and daughtership. And, and we mature when we grow in awareness of that fact and all the benefits and the authority that comes with that status as a son or daughter. And that, to me, is childlikeness. Okay? That's what Jesus is talking about when he says you should be childlike or you need to be childlike in order to enter the kingdom of heaven. But remember, there is a distinction between being childlike on the one hand and childish on the other. Uh, and childishness is a problem because what it does is it, it interferes with us taking hold of the fact that we're sons and daughters. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, 11, 
Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. And so what this tells us is that childishness is a way of thinking. Uh, it's, it's a mindset that results from an immature way of viewing the world. And what happens is this mindset leads to childish ways, uh, the childish ways that Paul was talking about. So Christian maturity involves being childlike without being childish. Um, it's, it's getting rid of the childish mindset while grasping hold of our childlike status. So what we're going to do now is take a look, closer look at what it means to embrace that status of sonship and daughtership, of, of our childlikeness, and um, getting rid of, of the, the childish mindset. We'll look at three qualities of childlikeness and three, uh, three characteristics of childishness. So first, take a look at childlikeness. The three qualities of a childlike Christian are that they are dependent, they are authentic, and that they are engaged. Okay? Child, a childlike Christian is dependent, authentic, and engaged. So what do I mean, what do I mean by dependent? Well, just look at a kid. Look at a child. They are very, very dependent on their parents, are they not? They really depend on their parents uh, to do a lot of things for them. And, you know, the thing is, the great thing about kids is that they really don't have a problem with getting help from their parents. I've never seen a kid get a juice box from mommy and say, oh, no, I didn't earn that. I'm not good enough. Don't give me that juice box. Not going to happen. They take the juice box, they run with it, and they drink it, and they ask for more. Um, they receive well. You know, that's what kids do. They receive well. And you'll never, and, and you know, and they, they have to. They have to depend on their kids, uh, on their parents, rather, uh, because they're lowly in position and really pretty vulnerable. You know, I know that in our modern American society, uh, kids tend to occupy a, a pretty high position, you know, in, in social structure, in the family structure. Uh, even though we know they're not as developed as adults, we tend to honor them. We give them a lot of respect. In, in fact, in some families, the kids rule the family. They're at the center of the family. And that's a topic for another day. But you, you get my point, I think. But back in Jesus' day, that wasn't the case. Okay? Back then, children uh, were not given the same level of respect as they are today. Uh, they, they, were dis, they were considered inferior to adults. And that's probably why the disciples got a little annoyed when parents brought their babies to Jesus to get prayed over by him because they thought, who are these parents distracting our master from doing adult work? Go away. But Jesus says, no, you've got it backwards, right? You've got it backwards because these kids are the ones that belong in the kingdom of heaven. They're lowly in position. They receive well. They're dependent. And, and I think like a child, a mature Christian should also receive well. Um, we should readily go to our Heavenly Father and ask for help, right? And, and really, it's the, the more that we mature, the more we realize how helpless we are and how much we really need God. It's, it's the immature ones that think they can go on their own and don't need God. 
So true maturity isn't about becoming more independent, but really it's about becoming more dependent on God. It's, it's realizing that our Father is very willing, more than willing, to help us if we realize how much we need Him. Okay? So that's the first characteristic of, of being a, a son or daughter, of being childlike, dependence. The second is being authentic. Okay? Children just don't care much about status, and I think that's a great thing. You know, they don't appreciate what status is, so it doesn't really impress them very much. It doesn't matter if uh, a kid's dad is CEO. To, hi- to him, that's the guy who makes great peanut butter, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. You know, he's the guy who taught me how to ride a bike. He's not, he's not the, what's a CEO? <laughs> it just doesn't compute to, to the son. Um, and also, their status doesn't affect how they view themselves or shape their actions. Um, and I believe that so much of our adult lives involves jockeying for position, sort of like what the disciples were doing, you know? Um, the American dream, how do we get it? Well, oftentimes, what it, what it involves is getting a good education. Why? Because getting a good education tees you up to hopefully get a better job, a better career that gives you respect and makes more money. And by the way, money is one of the markers of success in society, right? So we build up our empire, we build up our families, we build up our status, our possessions. We want people to respect us based on our jobs or what we own or how we look or who we hang out with. But children don't care about that stuff. You know, they're, they're content just to be as they are, and that's great because it takes the humility of a child like that to enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, if you're used to, to earning the favor of others, it can seem very awkward to enter the kingdom of heaven simply on the basis of God's generosity. Okay? It, it, it almost seems like a cheat. It seems too easy. I mean, you, you mean to tell me that all I have to do is receive? All I have to do is accept what God has given me? I mean, I didn't do enough to deserve that. I, I didn't do enough good deeds. Um, I need to be a better person to get into God's good graces. You know, that, that's the mentality that goes against authenticity. But, but the reality is that we can never earn enough to get God's favor, right? We, we can never earn enough. God shows us favor simply because He loves us as His children, period. And all we need to do is to, to humbly receive the generosity of God. And really, life changes when we get that. You know, when we live by God's radical grace, our life turns 180 degrees. And a mature Christian is one who allows the generosity of God to touch the very core of their being and to filter down to everything they are and everything they do, to their actions and their thoughts. Um, a, murder, a mature Christian who gets the, the radical generosity of God is a person who is free of shame. If our station in life doesn't dictate who we are and what we do, then we don't care what others think about us. The only opinion that matters is God's. 
And we know what his opinion of us is. He's crazy about us. We know that through his son and what he's done on, on the cross, how, how much he sacrificed for us. We know the radical generosity of God. And that kind of power, the power of the cross, the power of God's generosity, gives us power to live authentically. We can say what we actually mean instead of what makes others like us. You never notice how kids are very blunt. We had an example of that this morning. The, the cactus. <laughs> the prickly pastor. <laughs> I mean, that, out of the mouths of babes, right? They have no qualm about being blunt. Uh, there's a story about a kid who went up to his auntie and said, my auntie, uh, you, you look ugly today. And, and the mom heard that and said, oh my God, Kimo, don't say that. Where are your manners? And so the kid gives another try, goes up to auntie and says, auntie, you look really ugly, please? <laughs> they have no problem speaking their minds because they don't care what others think about them. They say it as it is. And I'm not saying don't have tact, <laughs> but I'm saying do not worry about what others think about you. Um, as we, as we get comfortable being sons and daughters, we're also empowered to be genuine in how we relate to others, you know, not to get something out of people, not to get them to like us or to get them to do something for us so that we elevate our position and our status. Now, a third uh, characteristic of being childlike is um, being engaged. And... I think we see that by looking at how kids interact with the world. Kids are fascinated by ordinary things around them. Um, if you take a baby during Christmas to the Christmas tree and you give them a gift, what do you think they will like better? The thing in the box or the wrapping in the box? You with parents, those of you, I'm sorry, you parents, those with you with kids know what I'm talking about. They go for the wrapping paper. <laughs> They go for the box. They don't care about the $100 toy. It's because why? The paper is crinkly. It's interesting, right? Um, I, it always gets me that my, one of my son's favorite toys uh, are, are pots and pans. You know, he had, for the longest time, he had a morning routine. He would wake up groggy. He would go to the kitchen, open up the cupboard, take out the pots and pans, and start banging on them day after day. Okay? I'm like, I, look, we did not deprive you. We gave you toys, okay? But... You want to play with the pots and pans? Okay. Um, but kids interact with the world with just a sense of wonder and newness. To them, it's not the pots and pans. It's, you know, it's not a common thing. It's new. The most common things seem exciting to them. And, and they just don't assume to know everything about the world around them. And unlike, unlike kids... I'm sorry, unlike adults, kids don't write off the world. They don't write it off. They don't disconnect from it. They're not cynical. They're very engaged with the world. Um, and that opens up a world of possibilities for them. Because to them, this is not a box. It's a pirate ship. Or it's a house. Um, or it's a great place to play hide and seek. Kids don't see the world with the limitations that adults often do. And I think spiritual maturity is very similar. We know that God has no boundaries. He's got no limits. And if we're to see the world from God's perspective, 
then we also need to be set free of the limitations that we impose on ourselves or that others impose on us. Wonderment, the wonderment that kids have is to me an ingredient of faith. We build faith by increasing our sense of wonder. You know, as, a, as the saying goes, God works in mysterious ways, and many of you have experienced that firsthand. Um, God works outside the box. Wonderment helps us to not see the box, but to see the pirate ship and the house and the great place to play high and seek. It helps us to see the world like God sees it. God sees us without limits and full of possibilities. You know, what we do at, uh, at Blue Water, um, not just at Blue Water, but churches around the world, um, how we see God work through this body, uh, through the body of Christ, is pretty amazing. You know, it's really a little crazy to think that someone in need of healing can simply come up to another uh, brother or sister in Christ, have them lay a hand on their shoulder, and ask the Holy Spirit to come and, br- and manifest His healing power. Okay? It does not square with medical science. Logic tells you you're a little nuts if you do this, but it works. Okay? Those of you who have been healed know that. It takes a childlike sense of creativity and wonderment to try it out. Does it not? Okay? It, it, it takes that kind of awe and just a little bit of childish recklessness, if you will, to see what God can do, to see how your doors might be blown open, to see how He can enter into your life and radically change it. A childlike sense of creativity and innovation grows faith. It cultivates it. It makes it more mature. And I think it's also important to get wonderment because it breeds gratitude. Um, Have you ever looked at cynical people and how they tend not to be grateful? Cynical people often feel entitled, like the world owes them one. There's a chip on their shoulder. Um, and, And this can lead to them feeling very dissatisfied with life. But if you see the world with wonderment, it's really hard to be discontent because, look, everything is alive. You know, there's life everywhere. There's promise. There's beauty. There's hope. It's very hard to be discontent when you, when you look at the world through those kinds of lens. It, it helps you really to, take, to not take the world for granted. And, and not just people. I mean, not just things, but people. To not take people for granted. Being, looking at the world like a child helps us to get out of that kind of that cynicism, that adult-like cynicism, to be childlike in looking at the world and interacting with it in an extraordinary way, a supernatural way, if, if you will. Okay? And so, just to sum up uh, being childlike, it's, it's about being dependent on God, receiving well, It's about being authentic because we're secure in our position in God. And it's also interacting with the world, with people, uh, with a sense of wonder, with with being engaged in the world because we love the possibilities that are out there. But remember, there's also the problem of childishness that we need to battle against. Um, 
So let's take a look at what can rob us of our childlikeness. Let's look at the childish uh, mindset and how it interferes with Christian maturity. And there are three aspects of childishness that I want to focus on. Uh, They are self-focus, self-focus, the lack of discipline, being undisciplined, and being easily impressionable. So a a person who is childish is self-focused, undisciplined, and easily impressionable. So first with uh, the, the, uh, the aspect of childishness being, of being self-focused. Um, again, we look at young kids and see how uh, they can be very self-focused. You know, kids tend to think that the world revolves around them. Uh, their needs at the moment are what's most important to them. If they see a toy they like, they want it. They'll grab it. It doesn't matter if it doesn't belong to them, right? Uh, it doesn't matter if it belongs to somebody else. They'll grab it. And if they don't get their way, they throw a tantrum. Um, they have to, and they have to be taught not to do that. That's the process of maturity. And self-focus interferes with our childlikeness, I think, because it destroys our trust in God. Um, there, there's there's going to be a bound to be a conflict between what we want and what God says is good for us. And if all we care about is what we want, and God doesn't give it to us for our own good, then guess what happens? We start to distrust God. You know, we start thinking that he's mean, that he's out to get us, uh, that he, we doubt that he really loves us um, because he's not giving us what we want. So as a result, what do we do? We rebel against God's authority and we try to live life on our own, right? And it really does take maturity to grow out of that mindset, to understand the wisdom of God's ways. Um, isn't it funny that the wisdom of our parents only gets more apparent as we get older. Okay. When our parents tell us as teenagers, don't give in to peer pressure, we think, oh, you dorks, my life is over. You're just trying to make my life miserable. How can you do this? But as we get older, we realize, yeah, maybe mom and dad really knew what they were saying all along. There's something to it. You know, may, yeah, may, they knew that the the people I'm hanging around with really are not looking out for my own good. Uh, they're, they're selfish or they just want to look cool and drag me along with them. You know, it starts to make sense. It clicks. But that doesn't happen until we start getting more mature. And the same thing with our relationship with God. It takes maturity to get rid of our view of the world and to start appreciating God's view of the world, the big picture, the eternal perspective that God has, right? And relatedly, lack of discipline is a way, of, uh, is a way that we can be childish. Uh, kids are easily distracted. They, they're attracted to whatever's shiny and new. Um, they, their attention span is very short, uh, so it's hard for them to focus on one thing at, for very long, so they get impatient. And they can be very impulsive as well, right? For one moment, this is their favorite toy. The next day, oh, it's old hat. Move on to the next thing. Um, and this really makes it a challenge to get them to stick to one thing um, for, for a while. And spiritually speaking, lack of discipline also prevents us from becoming mature followers of Christ. Because if you're to develop skill and strength in anything, you need to practice. You need to stick with it, even through the tough times. You know, when, when the Bible says, for example, um, rejoice in all circumstances, you know, that's not necessarily a fun command. 
It takes discipline to rejoice and to praise. Um, it takes a, a commitment to give thanks and praise even through the tough times, even when there's pain and, and suffering, right? So we need to stick to it. We need to have discipline and be intentional. Okay. And then lastly, I think children are easily impressionable. Um, they lack a moral center. Their, their value system is very open-ended, and it's very simplistic because it's still developing. So what, what they do is they act based on what's, what makes them happy at the moment. And that's a moving target, right? Because their attention span is, is always moving. So as a result, childish people find it very difficult to tell right from wrong. And that exposes them to being easily deceived. They're easily impressionable. Uh, in Ephesians 4, if you can put it up, we're not going to read through the whole thing, but what Paul does is that he gives us a picture of infants being tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming, right? That's the picture of what it's like to be an immature Christian. We gravitate to whatever seems shiny and new at the moment because we have no moral center. We have, we're not grounded in the Word of God. And so what we need to do is, by, to mature, is to be grounded in truth, to be grounded in the Word of God and to, um, and to practice the Word of God so that it, it gets into us, okay? So just to, to close it out, you know, Christian maturity is, is, is a balance or it's, it's a tension. It's about holding on to our childlikeness and letting go of our childishness. It's really self-development without self-absorption. It's about developing yourself without being too into yourself. And what, what my prayer is, is that as we learn more about God and how good He is, that we learn to grow up as children, both and, to be children and yet grow up at the same time. Now, will you join me in prayer as we close? Father God, you are our Father, and we thank you that we we get the privilege of being your sons and your daughters. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would stir something in us, that you would stir up faith right now, um, that you would draw out of us our position in you, our, our sonship, our daughtership. And I just want to pray especially uh, for anyone who is struggling um, with grasping that reality. If there are other labels that have been spoken over you, that you're not a son, you're not a daughter, that you're not good enough, uh, I just I, I revoke those labels in Jesus' name and proclaim to you, declare to you that you are a son, you are a daughter, and you don't need to do anything else, just be. Thank you, Jesus, that you made that possible, um, to, that you made it possible for us to grasp that. And uh, we just pray, Lord, that you will continue to work through us uh, as we leave the service and throughout the week. In the name of Jesus, we pray this. Amen.